Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of the Mainstream Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff B. Today, I have a few things from CES Game Streaming, recommendations on what to watch, and then we'll wrap it up with some feedback that I got from you guys and a Q&A. The podcast will be released every Thursday, weekly. You should be able to subscribe to it on Anchor, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your normal podcast. You can also go on to Anchor to send questions and messages via Anchor's website. So CES kicked off on Sunday, and it's really been a TV show for the last couple of years. Mostly you're seeing who has the thinnest, most Ks, the most foldable TV that they can throw up on a wall uh, for the foreseeable future. But a couple of things that you normally see in CES is a lot of items that either never gets actually created or gets created and fails. So CES is one of those places where you get to see some really interesting concepts that may never make it to market. So we're going to spend a couple of minutes on talking on some CES items that I have peeped out during some of this coverage. Um, and one thing that stood out to me really, really quickly is Samsung. So Samsung is looking into creating something that may or may not make it to market, but it's not even hardware. Samsung unveiled their new selfie type protocol. And selfie type is a software update to their existing line of tablets and phones that will allow you to type keyboard type without a keyboard. It's an invisible keyboard and it's basically a camera that follows your fingerprint or your finger motions at the say the least to create a virtual a virtual keyboard that allows you to type. It is one of the weirdest looking things in practice, but could actually be something that in the future may make make sense. You no longer have to have any kind of hard keyboard. But if you're like me and like to type on anything, you like to have that feedback, that what they call heptic feedback, to feeling like you're typing a key. And this would be, you can type anywhere on any type of surface, on anything at any time. It is something that probably would never see the light of day. But it's just interesting that that is something they have been working on and they showed it on the ces floor and it actually does work it is something that could possibly be you know five years down the line or 10 years down the line at that because most people are still used to using some kind of physical key to type i mean most of us complain when we had to type on our phone screen mainly because we can't feel the the, the texture of physically typing on something another item that was released in the CES coverage is Alienware has been working on a new prototype of a handheld personal computer called the UFO concept. Now, this shouldn't be a shock to anyone who has been paying attention to the gaming space over the last you know year or so. Nintendo came out with their Switch handheld console 
about two years ago, and it really took the market by storm. It did something that most handhelds hadn't done before. First and foremost, Nintendo has cornered that market over the last probably about 20 years of handhelds. They have had the most sales on handhelds uh, ever since they released their Game Boy, even going further back. So the Switch was something that came out two years ago and has really driven driven other companies to be innovative of creating machines that could do something that the Switch could do. Now, the difference here is Alienware is a high-end laptop and computer maker, and their UFO concept has no price, no release date. However, what it does have is an 8-inch screen. It runs Windows 10, and it's a full-fledged PC. They said also that it should run games at 1200p. It's not a 4K machine. It's not even a 1080p plus machine. It is really a 1280, a 1200p screen. But what it does well is it can run a full-fledged PC system and run full-fledged PC games. So this would be a handheld personal computer that can run an actual desktop. It has a lot of features that the Switch has. And you can tell a lot of these companies are basically riding Switch's coattails on figuring out what to do, what the consumer wants. It does have detachable controllers. It has a controller base. It does have USB-C that can plug into any kind of monitor or a TV. So it's basically a Switch Pro with all the bells and whistles of you know using a Windows machine. And that's something that I want to keep an eye on because when that is released, it probably will be something that if it does come out, it's going to be high-end. And this is not going to be one of your cheap buys. Nintendo is able to sell their Switch, their, their normal model Switch, at about $299. This is something that's probably going to set you back probably five six hundred dollars at probably the lowest tier unless they can get some some really good cheap you know ways to patent some of their their items but it looks like a high quality item so the design on it and it's running right now people have tested it out it's running games like rocket league you know th things that are not super demanding on the computer but will push past what a switch can do Another item that was shown off in CES that kind of caught my eye, and it goes back to the UFO, is Nintendo Switch may possibly be in the works of releasing a new Switch machine in 2020, dubbed possibly Nintendo Switch Pro. That's a very possible name, but it probably won't be. Nintendo likes to use some strange... Um, naming conventions on their items and throw at you something weird like Wii U. People today still don't even know what the Wii U actually meant. I don't even think Nintendo knew what the Wii U meant. However, there is a possibility of this item coming out in 2020, probably near holiday, um, with possible upgrades to the 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 chipset, maybe a battery change, but it's something they've already done. Their their newest model of the Nintendo Switch already has a higher end battery versus the first iteration of the system. And their Nintendo Switch lights have come out with slightly better upgraded hardware as well. 
But this one may have 4K support, which is something that many Switch players probably are not asking for. So one thing about Nintendo consoles are everyone who buys a Nintendo console is aware that this is an underpowered system versus your Sony and Microsoft iterations. However, what this system normally gives you is some kind of innovation that those two can't. Portability. The Switch could give you games on the go without actually having to change to a different system or log into anything different. You could take your Switch anywhere you want it to go, use it at any point. So we knew going in that this is not going to be upscalable. This is not going to be 4K or 120 hertz or you know 8K. We knew going in. And this has been a track record of Nintendo for years and years and years. They release underpowered machines that outsell some of the bigger power machines, mainly because of a lot of the innovations they add to it. So CES has several other items. I'm going to continue looking at some of the, you know, the small things that most people are not looking at. I'm not looking for the big items like, you know, Tesla has their, their, truck sony actually did unveil a new e-concept vehicle um and it's going to be something they probably will never see the light of day but ces has always been basically a a winter wonderland of things that may or may not ever see production but that's the, the the great thing about ces you can go to ces check out items i myself have never been but this is something i wanted to cover because i do follow most of the information on it and hopefully next year with this podcast maybe we go to ces you know 2021 and 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 be able to you know show some of this stuff live and it's just one of those things where you go to ces looking for the future you know all the flying cars that we talked about before and all of the 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 robots and all those things and you know most of these items never see the light of day but it's always something very interesting in the ces format um and the last note on the, the ces side so one of the biggest pushes would be beyond tvs because every time you go to CD, ces you're going to see two billion versions of tvs the new 4k the new 8k oled qled all these acronyms and names that get thrown at you but 5G phones is right now the new brain child of most of the cell phone carriers, uh, cell phone manufacturers, I'm sorry, that should push forward some new innovation. And if you don't know what 5G is, 5G is the new bandwidth that we're going to evolve into from 4G. Uh, the fourth generation to fifth generation, you know, service provider. So it's going to be, there's only, I think, three phones out right now that you can use on 5G networks or four phones, I think. And many people don't even know if you're able to use 5G and some people don't even know what 5G is. So, and, and it's really right now one of those things where it's only available in certain locations, certain cities. Um and and it's really going to be based on the phone provider to, to you know roll out new 5G networks. I mean, and I know you see you've seen so far several different you know companies releasing commercials 
Um, you know, we have 5G, the the nation's biggest 5G network. I mean, and the funny thing is, a lot of people can't even access 5G because your phone today, if you have not bought a new phone this year, and, and not even this year, if you haven't bought a new phone probably in the fourth quarter of this year, um, I'm sorry, last year, 2019. Sorry, we we're in a new year. You forget about that. But in 2019, if you bought a new phone probably in the fourth quarter, many of those phones probably come with either 5G or some kind of bridge to get you to 5G. One of the phones that's very noticeable with 5G will be your the Samsung S10 line. Those items do have 5G and they're 5G enabled. But I can guarantee that you have a 5G phone, even if you buy one, probably where you are, you can't use 5G. Mainly because the network doesn't support it yet. It's going to be something that's going to be rolled out probably over the next two to three years because it is a extensive upgrade to the service for many of these phone companies. So they normally start in the bigger cities first, of course. You know, they start in your New York, Chicago, et cetera, et cetera, until they can roll it out to the, you know, the rest of the United States. So that's another thing to keep an eye on. And the CES has a ton of new phones that are probably going to hit the market in the middle of this year, the end of next year. You already know there will be another iPhone because people who have iPhones, if you don't know this, there's a new iPhone almost every six months. So kudos to you Apple users. Not trying to alienate you, but, you know, it's something that you have to look forward to. You know you will get a new Apple product somewhere in the middle of this month. Middle of this year, sorry. But we'll wrap this up and be, we will be right back. So we're going to do a little segment called You Need to Watch This. And here are a couple of things that I have watched or give you recommendations on watching. And the first thing would be the movie 1917. This movie is currently in limited release. And luckily, I live in a place where you're able to, to get limited releases pretty easily. So myself and a buddy went to go check out 1917. I honestly will say it is probably one of the better films I've seen in a long, long time. If you are a person who loves World War One, Two, Three, any, any kind of movies, period, that has to do with war, this is a must-see movie for you. It's not a Michael Bay exploding fest. It is a very well-drawn-out, a well-put-together story of two soldiers trying to make it to the front lines to warn his brother's regiment to not attack the Germans. And without giving much away about the movie, it is truly a well put together fan service to World War One type movie styles. It is something that will keep you engaged from the beginning to the end of the movie. And it's one of the few movies that I've seen that I could not predict the ending. So the good news is you go in thinking, well, I've seen a thousand movies of this type and I just know how it's going to go. You would be pleasantly surprised that it's probably not going to go how you think it's going to go. I was able to notice that they look, they did this movie over a 24-hour cycle, it seems, with not a lot of breaks in between the action. It wasn't a complete continuous shot but it looks like they had very little breaks or cuts in the movie. And 
Also, my buddy pointed it out as well. He said that he couldn't see where they did a lot of breaks. There were some obvious points where they did have the cut action, but it wasn't as obvious as some other movies where they spliced them together. It did also win Picture of the Year, which was very interesting. It was brought up that, I mean, the, the movie hasn't even released in most cities as of yet, but it won Picture of the Year over a very good Joker from Joaquin Phoenix and several Netflix movies. And by the way, Netflix has been killing it making these movies. They had three movies in the running for Picture of the Year at the Golden Globes. And that is incredible for a streaming service to have three high-end movies of that caliber. So I guarantee you, if you like these type of movies, and even if you don't just love them, it's still a must-go see. It's a very good movie. It's very well done. And it is something that I recommend to any and everyone who will want to watch a movie this weekend. Next of all, you need to watch this. The Witcher on Netflix. Going back to, like I said, Netflix has been making hits this last year or so. Um, being able to get some of the best movies and series out that no one probably would have seen probably like five years ago. They're able to do things that most networks aren't, aren't able to do. And that brings me to The Witcher. And The Witcher is based off of a video game and a book as well. And it's one of those things where, you know, you you hear the horror stories of game adaptations that don't go well, a.k.a. Mario Brothers. If you haven't seen it, please save your strength. It is not worth going to see it. But the list of bad video game adaptations is longer than my arm. But it seems that Netflix has been able to do a couple of things way better than a lot of their counterparts. And... They've been able to do adaptations of some books, some comic books as well, and games that that actually are really good. And The Witcher is one of those series. It's a really good series. It's pretty close to the books and games. There are some slight differences in the two. But if you've never played the game or read the book, this series is, series is something that you should go see. It is one of those things where if you are fiending for something that's, you know, kind of like your Game of Thrones and you, you're missing that, check out The Witcher. Now, it has brought a lot of people, a lot of fan base back to the game. And the last installment, The Witcher 3, which won Game of the Year and has been one of the most sold games year in and year out uh, for Project CD Red, which is the, the company that, that made it. And it has truly surpassed its former gaming base over the last year with the release of this series. This series has helped it a lot get to a point where it's a lot it's a, a lot more in the mainstream. Now you have a lot more people who know about this game. And if you do have a PC or anything that is on, because I think it's on PC, Xbox, everything you can think of at this point, pick it up. If you have not played the Witcher series, play Witcher 3. It is probably one of the best games that I've played in a long time that has to do with an action RPG type setup. Um, it is one of those games where you can, it's a very open world, you can do a lot of things. So I don't want to go on and on about the game and gush about it because it's about the show. However, the show and the game do tie into each other very well. And it's one of those things where 
you don't have to play the game to watch the show and vice versa. I would recommend them both. However, for most people to watch, watch the Witcher series. It is something to watch. Yeah, also on the list is Daybreak on Netflix. It's a apocalyptic series that follows some school teenagers that survived uh, some nuclear holocaust. I'm trying not to give too much away about the, the show. The series is pretty good. Not It's not going to be something that's going to win any kind of awards or anything like that, but it's something that you can sit down and, and, and watch. It's not too gory as some of the other movies and TV series are. It's one of those ones where you can sit down and watch. It, it does have a little bit of cursing, a little bit of things like that in it, but it is... I mean, pretty pretty much kid-friendly in a lot of ways. Uh, not young kids, but probably your older teens if you're trying to find something for them to watch or watch with them. But it's also on the list of things to watch. And like, like I said, Daybreak on Netflix. Last but not least on the you-need-to-watch-this list, um, Titans. If you have a subscription to DC Universe or you don't even know what DC Universe is, it is the same thing as any other subscription-based streaming service. However, I will say... If you want to spend $7 for about a month, is to go out and subscribe to DC Universe. The, the service that they have, they actually have shows, which is better than Disney+. Plus. They actually launched with several shows that they did not have in the works. It has been out a little bit longer than Disney+, Plus, so it gets a little bit of, of edge there. But they did have some unique original programming they released on their platform right away. It wasn't a long wait. And Titans is one of those shows. If you are into, you know, Cape Crusaders, the comic book movies of the, the, the 2010s until now, I know a lot of us are burnt out because there literally is a new one every couple of months. But this series is not only a good comic book adaptation of the titan series and if you don't know who the titans are um they're they're basically the younger generation of superheroes or crime fighters that were in the dc comic books um and they do a really good job of showing you um kind of an origin story but kind of not an origin story at the same time um uh, picking up this show it is grittier than most of the shows. Now, if you watch CW and you watch the shows like The Flash and you, you're watching, um, you know, Arrow and things like that, this show is not that show. They do not compare. The show is grittier by far. It has a darker tone. It has a more adult tone to this show versus the things that are being shown on CW. I love the CW shows and I love The Flash hand down. However... The way that they did the Titans is much better and a much better representation of some of the DC comics. Less comical, more serious. It has more of an adult feel to it. I know I've said this. <laughs> the streaming wars is one of those things where there's everybody has some kind of subscription. But I just urge you for at least for a month. You know, do a trial, do something. Because even I think a lot of times you can get a lot of these trials for, you know, seven days and try it out. DC Universe, do the trial. Binge watch Titans. Two seasons of it. It has two seasons already of the show. It is actually worth the watch. They do have some other shows on their platform. Swamp Thing is one of them. Um, Doom Patrol is also another one. But if you, if you only have seven days to be with this service, get the seven days. 
watch Titans, think about subscribing to it. And if you do want to subscribe to it, subscribe to it. Because like I said, you you can catch a, a plethora of new content. They also have a back catalog of most of the DC Universe shows and comic books. So you're able to go through. It's a much better version of Disney+. Plus. Yes, Disney has the money to make it look pretty, but DC actually seems to have put their love into making something that, that matters. They have original content that's already there. You can you have access to most of the comic books that are already out and open and some new ones that are being created. They actually went out and created their own daily show for wrap-ups for DC Universe and several other things. So if you get a chance, you want to waste seven days of, of time, subscribe to DC Universe, check out Titans, watch both seasons, and you let me know how it goes. And other things you need to watch. We'll take a quick break and we'll come back and cap it off with a little bit of Q&A and some stuff that was sent to me from a couple of my buddies to, to try to go over his topics. trying to make this a little bit better, get a little bit better audio, a little bit better content. Um, if you visit Anchor, you can send in voice messages or voice text, or you can send in any kind of, you know, things you want to talk about, Q&A, um, anything that you want me to do that's different. I'm trying to make this in a very accessible podcast for, for everyone, not just for tech enthusiasts or for movie buffs, but, you know, everything in between. It's stuff I want to, you know, talk about. And hopefully soon we'll have guests on or a co-host. You know, it's, it's a little hard to get get you this content, you know, basically talking to myself. But it's something that I am still want to work on. It's going to be a labor of love, something that I want to continue to do. And, you know, we'll try to do this in more of a, a standard format. So it won't be all over the place. Um, and again, thank you for listening. Thank you for, you know, subscribing if you haven't. And once again, you can get this on Anchor or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else that you get podcasts. I am working on adding this to Apple um, and to iTunes for podcasts as well. takes a little bit more time. Apple's a little bit more, you know, strict about what goes on their platform. So it takes a little bit of time to get them to approve. But uh, there's no doubt in my mind that we'll get it on iTunes at some point as well. So for now, um, the I did get in one Q and A type of question or something that somebody wanted me to talk about, and it was about the some game streaming. So if you don't know, much like Netflix and some of the others out there, there are several companies that are starting to offer game streaming to mobile devices or any, anything you have, tablets, whatever, TVs, um, and uh, the bigger ones like Microsoft with Project X Cloud, and even some smaller ones like Moonlight, which is a PC to device type streamer. And and, it, and it's reason why it's a, a big thing now is a lot of these companies are trying to go to 
a pay as a service or game as a service model type because they, they learned it from what Netflix did and Netflix you know they you're not really buying your movies anymore you're basically watching them on demand sure you can go watch them at any point watch them 30 times if you want to if you want to watch Pretty in Pink 17 times you actually can however you don't physically own the media anymore and a lot of these companies are looking at the fact that you can get someone to pay for a service you know five ten dollars a month give them access to a library of services of games in this case and most people are happy myself i subscribe to origin access and it's the basic plan is five dollars a month and i get access to playing you know 50 60 games and i can play them most people are not going to play 50 or 60 games. You're probably going to play one or two. So it works out in the benefit of, like myself, with Origin Access. I play one particular game with Origin Access, and the $5 a month is not that bad, considering I can play it for several months and get my money's worth out of it. Um, but it's one of those things where almost every company is going to officially have some sort of streaming service, more so than they ever have before. I mean, P PlayStation has been doing it, Sony has been doing it for, for a while through their machines, but this is gonna be where you can access without having any other kind of hardware directly from a cloud-based server. And the first company to get this right, I mean, we have Google Stadia, who is one of the big tech names, and they just recently uh, had their, their product out. I mean, with Google and Stadia has been a very interesting platform so far. But it's not perfect, and one of their biggest hurdles is internet. And most people's internet bandwidth is not strong enough to physically play something over the the actual bandwidth that's actually you know not lag free and in full fidelity. And that's been the hurdle they've been trying to overcome. But once a company finally figures out a way to get a better product through streaming. They probably will win this war straight out, and I, I believe you put you want to put your money in the big companies right away because Google will figure it out. They'll throw enough money in it, in it to figure it out, or somebody else will figure it out and they'll buy them. Google has a very very bad track record of buying companies once they figure out something that they couldn't figure out themselves. So be assured that at some point somebody will figure this out. And I might bet is hedged on one of the big companies. Well, guys, that's all the time I have for today. All the things that I wanted to talk about. And it's going to be one of those things where this will be an ever-evolving project. And um, I, I hope you enjoy the content. And I hope you subscribe and come back and give me feedback. And I can't say this enough. Subscribe wherever you can. Um, as well as sending me any kind of feedback that you want to give and anything that you want to hear and any people that you want to have on, um, just let me know. This is a very small little project, and it's, again, a labor of love. This is something that I felt that I wanted to do and try out and try to get um, a message out. It's not professional. It is not a thing. As you can tell, it's just me trying to talk into a mic, trying to... Um, get my my bearings and niche here to figure out if you enjoy this content if you like it let me know again you can follow me on anchor send me a message send me a tweet out um 
you can actually follow me also on on Twitter at Nagata21519 and, you know, tweet uh, information. All of it is on the Anchors page. Until episode three, which will be next Thursday, signing off.